ATX Ahead, presented by the Austin Business Journal, exploring the future of Austin and the challenges we face. Brought to you by Cascadia Capital, the investment bank of choice for business leaders, the business litigation law firm of Kane and Scarnulis, and by Trimbuilt Construction, building Austin since 1984. Hello, and welcome back to the ATX Ahead podcast. This is Will Anderson, Managing Editor of the Austin Business Journal. Today, we're going to take you inside the ABJ newsroom. We publish dozens of stories online each week and hundreds each month. It's hard for even the folks in the newsroom to keep track of all those headlines, let alone our readers and listeners. That's why the editing team always emphasizes to reporters the need to step back, consider the bigger picture. How is the story going to impact a certain industry or the region as a whole? So we figured we'd take some of our own medicine and discuss some of our biggest recent stories and break down what they mean for the future of the Austin area. Luckily, I'm joined by ABJ editor Colin Pope, who's been reporting on business in Austin for at least a couple of decades, I'd say. Colin? That's about right. Yes, sir. Well, there's been a lot going on in the ABJ newsroom, plenty to talk about, but I actually want to, for a moment, come to something that we just opened nominations for our 2024 Best Places to Work. And uh, that's an award program we do every year, but it's actually, I think, a really essential tool that a lot of businesses use to figure out what's the latest in employee trends, how are employees looking to be kind of feeded at work and what kind of perks appeal to them. And uh, we just opened up nominations for 2024. So uh, Colin, I know that you are, you love this Best Places to Work program. We have fun doing it every year. Why don't you tell us why you think Best Places to Work is a big deal? Yeah, of course, we named a couple of months ago our 2023 Best Places to Work winners. And of course, everything that we do over here at the Business Journal kind of revolves around you know, providing business intelligence, actionable information that people can use in their office. And so I look at this Best Places to Work. It's, you know, of course, it's going to be appealing to people who are looking for jobs and looking for fantastic workplaces. But beyond that, I really implore all the managers out there to study these Best Places to Work. And we've got a special publication. If you just Google best places to work on our homepage, you can find the information about it. But we'd go through great lengths to kind of display the, you know, the perks that make these places best places to work. And these are things, you know, if, if you're the manager of a business, definitely you've got the power to adopt some of these things. And some of them require no money at all, some of these perks. Some of them do require a bit of an investment, but even if you're not a manager of a business, I always would say, you know, a lot of change is affected from the bottom up. And so if you're an employee out there working for any size company, you can take some of these ideas to your boss and say, look, just so you know, these are some of the uh, things that make Austin's best places to work tick. And this year, this may be no surprise, but the number one perk out there for people is remote work possibilities. That's just not going away. In fact, we keep writing articles one day that say Meta or this company or that company is uh, really pushing employees to come back into an office environment. But then again, we will publish in the same day a study that says, for the most part, remote work trends are here to stay. And there's evidence that they're even going to get stronger in the coming years than what we see, you know, even today. 
And I think some people think of this trend of remote or hybrid and flexible work as a, a big differentiator for small and medium-sized businesses. So that if there are large companies, perhaps with large real estate footprints that want folks back in the office, that's certainly their prerogative. But that could be a recruiting advantage for a smaller mid-sized company, even if they can't match a meta on salary. It's interesting. I will wonder how this will play out long-term because right now there are the short-term benefits and foreseeable benefits of being able to attract better talent because you can offer the remote work option. However, one thing that we as managers of companies worry about is are those remote workers going to be as engaged and productive? But, you know, let's talk about, you know, engagement. Are they going to be as engaged as they would be if they were in an office and they had more of a connection and a, a quote, you know, physical connection to the people that they work with? And so, you know, I wonder long term, are these going to be more churnable turn and burn kind of employees, you know, compared to somebody who works in the office, you know, time will tell, Uh, we will see, but I can see a world where if I have never gone in and uh, sat next to the people that I work with every day and sat down at my boss's desk, it might be a little bit easier to cut ties with them. So that's the big thing going the, you know, this year was that remote work. I will say outside of these perks, and I got a couple more perks I wanted to talk about, but outside of these perks in general, what we've been reporting over the business journal is that, you know, you can offer all these perks, big paychecks, but one thing that can't, that will always overshadow that is whether or not the employer is stable and have financially stable, of course. And then how does their future look? Because I have, spoken to many colleagues and friends who, you know, especially in the startup environment that we have here, they're working for a company where they know, okay, yeah, this company is going to be around for 10 plus years, but there's a startup over here and they're offering me twice as much money, but I don't know if they're going to be around in two years from now, you know? So that stability really matters. And I've seen people pass up twice as big of paychecks just because they needed that warm, cozy feeling of this, this employer is going to be here for the long term. Yeah. Maybe don't focus on perks if you can't make payroll, you know, if you're, if you're struggling. To, right. <laughs> um, but you're right there. And I like that in these best places to work publications, we outright tell readers like steal these ideas, copy them for your workplace. Some of those other perks that we just reported on, as you said, in June for our best places to work for 2023, there were perks like being reimbursed or paid to do basically to do whatever you wanted, right? There were some companies that that had stipends, not even work-related training, but things like learn to scuba dive, take a yoga class, things that help you felt complete as a person, not just an employee. That's right. That's right. And some of the things that you can do that require no, you know, talking about the perk, the biggest perk I was just talking about, you know, if your company's doing well, you know, don't assume that your employees know how well it's doing. I mean, transparency is another big perk of best places to work out here. A lot of the employees love knowing how the company is doing overall, not just within their department or, or in their little sphere. That is a big perk you can offer employees for free is if you haven't told them lately how well your company's doing and if it is indeed doing well, please impress upon them that they are in a good spot and they are, you know, especially in this kind of, eh, it's a tough economy for some people right now. And so employees really need to hear that. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing. One thing that was a big perk that um, uh, ESOPs, uh, Employee Stock Ownership programs. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, stock is reserved for public companies on the stock exchange. But, 
They're shares of private companies, obviously, and you can offer those to your employees. And some companies are finding that it's a very valuable tool for recruiting and retention when they can tell you that after six years, you will be fully vested and you will own part of the company that you have been working for and and you will uh, financially benefit from the success that the company sees. And so ESOP plans was a neat one out there that a lot of companies can consider that might not have. We'll write about these IPOs and we often talk about the investors that are going to cash out, but you're right. Many of these companies that some of the employees are cashing out when there's an IPO or, you know, liquidity event, um, some kind of exit. Another perk I keep hearing a lot of is um, matching employee donations or even just setting aside time for employees to volunteer, but getting involved with like corporate social responsibility, giving back, showing employees that you're listening to their ideas about worthy causes as another pretty popular perk these days. It is. And that's a, that's a neat way for a company. I'm all for drawing boundaries between, you know, professional and regular life, but uh, personal life. But, you know, there are things that companies should be doing like that, like respecting that, hey, you may have a nonprofit that you want to donate your time to or your money to. And if you do, uh, we'll match your donations up to $1,000, you know, per year or something like that. That's something that means a lot to employees. And another way to kind of work your way, kind of not so much into their personal life, but make it the professional life and relationship special is to think about the relationship with your employees and to understand that, okay, definitely, if you're going into business with someone 50-50, you know, there's the old rule that you look at that business partner the same way and evaluate them the same way you would a fiance mm-hmm. uh, respective uh, spouse. Same with employees and employers. And while it, you know it's not the same as a 50-50 relationship, rest assured it is a relationship. And so some of the best places to work are very good at just remembering and keeping tabs of when an employee's birthday is. So for instance, here at the Business Journal, I'm real fond of this. And this is something I've been had reinforced and maybe picked up from the uh, best places to work. But when we have an employee who has a birthday or a uh, work anniversary, you know, kind of think of the work anniversary as like your wedding anniversary on a corporate level, you know, make it special for them, make them feel like they are remembered and they're, you know, that they're a person, there's something special. So what we do, you know, over the business journal is we will pay for uh, Uber Eats meals. So I will send them a gift certificate. And, and I, you know, I'm like, well, you probably don't want to go out to dinner with your boss for your birthday. But (laughs) how about can your boss pay for you and your spouse to go out to dinner and make that? have a you know extra special dinner or maybe an extra birthday dinner on the company and so it's those kinds of little touches that can sometimes make the difference and then sometimes it's a grand perk i'm fond of talking about the company can't remember which one it was but they've got a um a cabin up in Colorado that they allow their employees to use. You know, I thought, well, what a neat perk that is to kind of have a go-to vacation spot for your people. And so I think that that's uh, another thing that companies can do. And at the Business Journal, we don't really have a budget for that. But I've been lucky enough, we've got my Pope family place in um, uh, near Terlingua, uh, in Terlingua near Big Bend, Texas. Uh, national park and i've made it clear to everybody on staff that you know consider this a perk if you ever want to go out to my place near big bend national park just pay for the cleaning and the rest of it is is kind of on me and on me as a manager and kind of consider it on the company and so there's ways around some of even these big expenses uh, if you really think about how you can take care of your employees that's the point is that there's a whole range of options in this best places to work publication i always have a lot of fun doing it I know you do too. And like we said, the 2023 publication is out. You can find it on our website, search best places to work. But if you're interested in already nominating for 2024, you go to austinbusinessjournal.com slash nomination. 
and throw your company's name in the hat. And it then is decided by surveys of employees to define who, you know, find who has the highest level of employee satisfaction. ATX Ahead, presented by Cascadia Capital, the investment bank of choice for business leaders, providing trusted financial advisory services to entrepreneurs, family business owners, and financial sponsors for more than 20 years. The business litigation law firm of Kane and Scarnulis PLLC, handling high profile, high stakes, and mission critical matters for you and your business. Learn more at CSTrial.com and by Trimbuilt Construction, building Austin since 1984. Visit us at Trimbuilt.com or call 512-689-7881. Let's start the conversation about your project. I do want to look back, Colin, at the last month of stories. As yeah. I was saying, we, you know, it's hard to keep up with all the news that comes out, even for the, those of us inside the newsroom. And I pulled up our top stories. You know, we're always looking at the metrics, you and I as, as editors. And I pulled up the top stories from August. Number one that I'd like to talk a little about is the way to wealth. So our story that went along with our list, the story by Cody Baird, our real estate reporter, and the list by Patricia Rogers, our research director, looking at the wealthiest zip codes in Austin and putting this package together you know, we wrote that it's a lot of what you'd expect. It's areas like uh, Barton Creek. It's areas like Steiner Ranch that have the wealthiest zip codes in the Austin area. We were looking at median household income as kind of the main uh, determinator, but the list also has the household values there. It's got a whole bunch of other data points, but looking at median household incomes, it's the areas you would expect. But the thing I found really interesting is kind of these, these new pockets of wealth that are emerging down toward Driftwood, up in Williamson County, um, where I live, you know, you're seeing lots of lots more places that are having, you know, six digits, you know, at least $100,000 of median household income. Yeah, I was I was kind of uh, intrigued by that, too, because it, it typically, you know, when we dot these wealthiest zip codes on a map, all those dots congregate around hills and water. So if you got big hills, you got lots of water. There's probably a lot of rich people living there, too. And so you see that in the hills of Austin over near Lake Travis and Lake Austin, of course, just beautiful scenery to be had there. So you can understand why that land comes at a premium. Yeah, you're right. Um, and so one observation real quick is that we're still not seeing anything east of I-35 pop up on that map of wealthiest zip codes, you know, at least among the top 10 or 20. There's been a lot of wealth that has been injected into, you know, for instance, central East Austin, but it's just still not rising to you know rising to that level just yet however like you mentioned down near driftwood you know the salt lake area dripping springs i think it's maybe an extension of circle c is pretty pretty full and circle c is almost always on these wealthiest zip codes lists that we do and on the north side you've got steiner ranch as i would say the premier large master planned community down south, you've got uh, Circle C. And so it's kind of logical that you would see the wealth just kind of travels, continue to travel south down 290. And uh, and I suspect that it's uh, in, you know, you look down there and they're still building the big yards that you can't maybe find uh, more central. Right. Like I said, you got the hills and you've got water down in that part of the region. What, Pretty predictable. Yeah. Yep. And what realtors told us is that 
you're seeing more wealth move out into these areas because of the pandemic trend of people looking for larger homes, wanting to be maybe farther outside the city. And uh, we've reported on that. We knew about that. But that certainly shows up in these census figures. Looking at 2021, to be clear, that was the latest census data on median household income. I just total full disclosure, I live up in the Liberty Hill Leander area. And I thought it was really interesting to see the zip code of 78642 at number 19 on the list. So not at the top. But that's the Liberty Hill zip code, and it's been on the list before, but I've, I've never seen it this high at number 19 with a median household income of almost $110,000 in Liberty Hill, which is kind of the end of the Austin metro when you're heading northwest. And um, that's home to Santa Rita Ranch, which is one yeah. of the fastest growing neighborhoods in, in Texas and all of the country, actually. It's home to, I mean, it's all of Liberty Hill, basically. So it's home to Golf Cart King which is interesting, was just number 49 on ABJ's list of largest private companies. They had 2022 revenue of $35 million. So a sizable company in Liberty Hill, more wealth moving up toward Liberty Hill. Um, I was intrigued to see Liberty Hill represented that high. Yeah, I wonder if the data would conclude that Ed Horn, developer Ed Horn, who's doing the Santa Rita Ranch, if he gets the lion's share credit for changing that from a nice small town, it's always been. But, you know, you would not consider that as a uh, haven of wealth. But that community that is building up there, Santa Rita Ranch, is so large. It's a good example of how these small towns around us 10 years from now might have a totally different reputation than they do today. And it might be by the hand of, you know, one development because these, you know, Liberty Hill is so small at this point, you know, it doesn't take much to move the needle up there. And so, um, and Liberty Hill is not unique in that respect. And and so we're going to see a lot of that throughout the region with, um, I mean, we just wrote a story about, um, you know, thousands of homes are uh, being built in the suburb of Dale, which I had to look that up on the map. I've lived here for <laughs> since 1985. And right. I said, where the heck is Dale, Texas? We're writing about that. Is that in our geographic area? Sure enough, it is. It's over, you know, south southeast of us. And uh, but not a small town I've ever had a chance to uh, to visit. Never a need. Don't even need to drive through there to get to anywhere. Nonetheless, we are seeing that big, deep pocketed developers with huge aspirations. It's on their radar. And the other city that had a, a new master plan community we wrote about was Euland. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to even longtime Austinites to be able to pin the tail on that donkey. So this was our most read story of August by far. I'd also like to kind of maybe flip the script a little bit and talk about maybe a story that wasn't one of our most read, but I think was deserving of some more attention. And for me, I'd like to nominate the news that broke in mid-August that UT, the University of Texas at Austin, the UT system, its parent and MD Anderson, which is also part of the UT system, they're going to combine forces and build two hospitals, two more hospitals in this emerging healthcare slash innovation slash hospital district over by Dell Medical School. So you'll have a UT Austin Medical Center that's just right out, you know, near the Capitol on the northeast side of downtown. And they're talking about this as not exactly rivaling, but kind of channeling in some ways the Texas Medical Center in Houston, which is just a gigantic, you know, dozen hospital medical hub that that Houston is known for around the country and around the world. So even having a slice of that would be a huge thing for the Austin economy. It would be a gigantic real estate undertaking, lots of construction, and uh, sounds like thousands of jobs are being promised. So it was pretty widely read. You know, there was a few 
10,000 readers on it or something like that. But obviously, I think this news is going to be something that shapes the Austin economy for years to come. Yeah, probably most Joe and Jane Austen, I don't realize how big of a deal this is going to be. I mean, you can kind of immediately recognize that it will be great for care in that you will have a, we'll have a cancer, great cancer doctors and institute here in our backyard, rather than so many of my friends and family and colleagues have had to drive to Houston for their treatment. And they thought that they were lucky just, you know, they, oh, it's only a three and a half hour drive down there to MD Anderson. Whereas a lot of people around the country are, are having to get on planes to get this sort of treatment. And so to be able to have that in our backyard, you just can't, um, you know, underestimate. But, but, you know, the economic ramifications is something that just can't underscore that enough. I will say that 20 years ago, I remember when I was a reporter in this town, one of the chamber's big initiatives was, um, you know, this was late 90s, early 2000s. And they said, well, we really we want to make this a biotech town. You know, and at the time, biotech was a, you know, a fancy buzzword. Nobody really kind of knew what it was. You just knew it was the future of healthcare and so many different things that can fall into that life sciences field. But that was a big thing. And they, they said, you know, what we've got is the technology side. We've got the tech. We don't have the bio, you know. And so 20 years ago, the only way that we thought that we could make it was to have the Austin-San Antonio region as we grow together as a metroplex to feed off of each other. And we know that San Antonio has some fantastic healthcare assets. So the thought was, well, San Antonio is always going to be more advanced than we are healthcare-wise, but we'll always be more advanced tech-wise if we can bring the two together. There's some neat things that can happen. Now it seems that Austin going forward will be able to do that all contained within our own selves, and we won't need to rely on another city or or, or things like that. And, you know, there's uh, some maybe are able to argue that our healthcare scene is about to become far more sophisticated than San Antonio's healthcare scene, which a lot of people, again, 10, 20 years ago, you could not put that in your crystal ball. And you definitely wouldn't bet on it. And so this whole Dell Medical School thing, we're going to see it get bigger as they knock down the Frank Irwin Center yep. and some of these new facilities that we're talking about there. And uh, but yeah, no, right off of I-35 and 15th Street, I think it is, there's going to be some huge, huge happenings going on in the medical field that are going to have economic ramifications. And it's already going to be attracting. I'm sure there's there's already companies, uh, drug developers and such that are looking at this new innovation district that we're trying to establish next to that Dell Med Center. So a lot to be seen on that. And this is just the tip of the iceberg and the watershed moment. It really goes back to this idea of an innovation district kind of taking shape and rising around Dell Medical School, which we've been reporting has been the the goal, the hope of a lot of folks in city leadership and uh, at UT and economic development. Um, and it really just hasn't taken shape. I mean, the medical center is there and it's been known, it, it's attracted some, you know, kind of world-class faculty, a fair amount of federal funding and state funding, but we really haven't seen the private sector jump in like people thought. And they, to be fair, it was always going to be a years-long process. This yeah. could be the a tipping point, though, to getting, like you said, drug companies, biotech companies more invested. So Austin's always had a startup community, including in the bioscience and pharmaceutical space, but it hasn't been a bastion for these giant, you know, healthcare companies, the, the drug makers and the medical device makers. So maybe this would be a place where it could bring more of them together. And just to backtrack for just a second, the UT Austin Medical Center is said to be like a $2.5 billion project. 
quite large. It's going to need a lot of companies to be involved, a lot of construction, and it could open in 2029 or 2030. Could create 4,000 to 5,000 jobs, UT President Jay Hartzell said. So enormous impact just on the numbers alone, but the cascading effects that we're kind of alluding to could really reshape that part of downtown and the Austin economy. Yeah, it's kind of like a Tesla or a Samsung moment. We talk a lot about the Tesla effect or the Samsung effect, because when Tesla moves here, grows their factory, and when Samsung does it, it's not just them that does it. It's 40 suppliers in the area that are also putting down multi-million or billion-dollar expansion plans themselves. And included with the Tesla effect, the Samsung effect, maybe you call it the uh, the Domed effect to come. I like it. We'll write that down. Thank you, Colin, for the trip down memory lane and talking about the recent evolution of the Austin economy and then joining me and kind of forecasting a little bit and looking into the future. ATX Ahead, it's a year-long series looking at what's happening in the Austin economy and how it's going to take shape over the next few years. And I hope everyone enjoyed taking a look inside the ABJ newsroom. Thanks for having me, Will. ATX Ahead, presented by the Austin Business Journal. Exploring the future of Austin and the challenges we face. Brought to you by Cascadia Capital, the investment bank of choice for business leaders, the business litigation law firm of Kane and Scarnulis, and by Trimbuilt Construction, building Austin since 1984.